Well, good morning and welcome to Soul City Church. My name is Jeannie Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here, and I'm really excited about this morning. I'm more than excited. I'm fired up about this morning's sermon. And I'm curious how many of you are fired up about this morning's sermon. Okay, so when you're fired up, that means you bring your amen game. It means you bring your hallelujah game. Okay, good. So we're going to work together here. Church is a participatory sport, okay? You are not going to sit and watch me. You're going to participate, all right? You good? I need some more amen. Come, you good? Okay, good. Here we go. So a couple of weeks ago, the kids uh, wanted to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, okay? So they think it's fun to watch movies that we liked when we were younger. Now, we've made it clear to them that we are not old. These are just old movies, okay? So they love to watch these movies, and we were really excited. So we, you know, we're going to have a family movie night. We're going to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. Who doesn't love Indiana Jones? The only problem is I have not seen Raiders of the Lost Ark for years, but instantly... I recalled a scene in that movie that I knew I would not be able to see. Can you imagine what the scene is that I'm thinking about? What is it? The snakes, yes. That word alone, okay? When they lower Indiana Jones down into that pit and he throws that, you know, that thing of fire down and he sees all the snakes, friends, I mean, I would rise up into glory in that moment. That would be, that would be my last moment living. I have a terrible, terrible fear of snakes. And so the kids know this about me. And so they, of course, start taunting me and teasing me. And they they launch into a would you rather game. They're like, okay, mom, so here's the situation. Would you rather be in a tank with a shark for five minutes or would you rather have to hold a cobra for five minutes? I'm like, shark, no problem. Like, I I am swimming with that shark. We're becoming friends, right? I I mean, there's no way that I would hold a cobra for five minutes. They're like, okay, so here's the other situation. You're locked in a room. You cannot get out for five minutes, and there are 25 tarantulas in there, or you're locked in a room for, for five minutes, and there are 25 snakes in there. I'm like, Those tarantulas are my best friend, okay? Like, there's not even a question. There is no scenario where I would ever choose a snake. And from what I understand, I am not alone in my phobia. There is research that indicates that a third of the world has an intense fear of snakes. And so I'm, I'm gonna start a new small group next week <laughs> for those of us that struggle with this. As far as I'm concerned, they should have never been created. I believe Adam and Eve are with me on this, okay? So th- there's just no good scenario for a snake. Now, I know my fear is irrational. I know it's irrational, and the odds of me being locked in a room with a snake is irrational. I, I understand this. But in my mind, these circumstances are circumstances that I picture myself never being able to survive. And and as irrational as my fear of snakes is, I wonder, I wonder how many of us actually carry around firmly cemented beliefs on things we cannot do, on things we will not do, and on things there's no way we could make it through. 
And as silly as my, my fear of snakes is, we kind of have some scenarios in our minds and we think, there's no way I could do that. There's no way I could make it through that. I, I don't know, maybe for you, it's a tension in your family. And, and that tension has just always been there. And in your mind, you just kind of think that there's no way. It's just gonna always be this way. Or, or maybe it's a financial burden. Maybe you are experiencing the weight of debt in your life and you're just kind of cozying yourself up to the fact that I think it's going to always be this way. I think I'm going to always feel and carry debt when it comes to my finances. Or maybe it's an issue with someone that you work with and you're just kind of convinced there's no way they're going to change. There is no way they are gonna change and there's no way this situation is gonna change. And I, I just have to walk through it like this. Or, or maybe it has to do with how you feel about everything that's going on in our country right now. And, and you look at the news or you turn on the television and you think to yourself, oh my gosh, like, th there's no way that things are going to ever get better. You see what is happening to immigrants and to refugees and the vulnerable, and you literally feel the weight of darkness, and you find yourself thinking, there's no way that this could get better. Or maybe it's a personal struggle. And you thought the struggle was behind you. You thought you had kind of like put a cap on it, but it's found itself back into your life. And you kind of are just living with the fact that it's there and you're wondering, maybe this is just my plight in life. Maybe this is how I'm just kind of destined to walk through. And I wanna dive into a passage this morning that so clearly tells us who we are and what we can do to make it through the circumstances that seem bigger than we are. So I'm gonna ask you to grab your Bible. We're gonna to turn to Romans 8. Romans 8, it's found on page 787. <clears throat> A little bit of context. Romans 8, the book of Romans is a letter that the Apostle Paul had written to the church in Rome. It's actually the longest of his New Testament letters to the churches. And, and many scholars would argue that Romans is kind of like Paul's opus. It, it was like his big letter and he put everything into it. And Romans 8, the passage that we're going to look at today, is actually one of the most beloved chapters in all the Bible because it so clearly communicates the radical love that God has for us and how he truly sees us. So we're going to start Romans 8 verse 31. And this is what it says. What then shall we say in response to these things. So Paul starts out with a question. What then shall we say in response to these things? Well, what are these things? Well, what's he referring to? Why is he beginning with a question? Well, you would have to go back and read the verses before this. And the previous section of scripture is a reminder. It's a reminder to us that amidst our present suffering, amidst our present circumstances, whatever it is that we are walking through, God is like the ultimate recycler. God doesn't waste any situation in your life. God doesn't waste any circumstance in your life. Whatever has come into your life, God is going to use. 
So Paul is essentially starting out with a question and he's saying, so if God uses and God recycles everything in our lives, what's your response to this? So, so if God is gonna use every single thing in your life and he's gonna use it, what do you have to say about that? So Paul kind of like, he's not holding back. He's beginning this little section of scripture with a very personal question. If God uses everything in your life, what's your response to that? And he goes on and he says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. So who then is the one who condemns? No one. So, Paul takes it one step further. Not only is God the ultimate recycler in your life, he uses all things for your good, it says in Romans. But this little section of scripture shows us that he is also the ultimate defender. Not only will he use every circumstance in our lives for good, he will stand for us as defender if, en if ever any judgment is brought against us. So God is the ultimate recycler. God is like a bodyguard. He's your defender. He, he's like the ultimate defense lawyer. And he has purpose for all of this. Because of what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me, there is nothing, this passage says, that can occur. There is no charge that can be brought against us that can separate us from God. So nothing comes between us, whether it's things we've done, circumstances we've created, circumstances that we are now the casualty of. God's grace covers it all. Amen. Covers it all. So God, listen to this. God is recycler. Amen. amen. God is defender. Amen. Listen to what else God is. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, shall hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul takes it even further in showing the lengths to which God is willing to make sure that nothing separates us from the love of God. He said that Jesus is also interceding for us. So not only, not only do we have the ultimate recycler, amen, not only do we have the ultimate defender, amen. Amen. we have an advocate. We have an advocate in Jesus for us. This is good, good news. And Paul goes on and he says, so in all these things, I just told you who I am. I'm a recycler. I'm a defender and I am an advocate. Now let me tell you who you are. And he goes on and he says, in all of these things, you are what? You are what? 
You are what? More than conquerors. Thank you for whoever screamed it in the back. You are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, for I am convinced. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. This may be one of my most favorite portions of scripture. Now, I say that about every passage of scripture that I study and preach. But today, it's my most favorite, okay? We have the ultimate recycler, the ever-present defender, the faithful advocate of Jesus. And in this now moment, we hear, we're more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. And it's because we have a recycler in Jesus. It is because we have a defender in God. It is because Jesus is our advocate that we can confidently say, I'm more than a conqueror. That is what I am. Now, I am pretty confident that no one is signing their emails and saying, you want to know who I am more than a conqueror? (laughs) I don't think any of you walked into Starbucks this morning and ordered your coffee and they said name and you're like, more than a conqueror. I don't think any of us are kind of walking around claiming this, but that is who we are. That is who we are. And yet so many of us are not living like conquerors, are we? There are areas of our lives where we feel paralyzed, areas where we feel just locked up in our past, areas where we worry about the future, drown ourselves in toxic fear, live as if we are in a pit of snakes, never to get out. And yet Jesus says, you're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You see, when you know who you are, you will know what you can do. When you know who you really are, you will know what you are capable of doing. (laughs) When you know who you are, you will know what you can do. Our circumstances don't conquer us. We conquer circumstances. That's all this passage is saying. And I wonder how many of us go to God with our circumstances and God is lovingly looking back at us and saying, don't you remember who I told you you were? You're not just a conqueror, you are more than a conqueror. And I wonder, do you talk to God about your circumstances or do you talk to your circumstances about your God? Really? Do you just find yourself going to God, telling him all about your circumstances and he's like, yeah, I'm ever present. I'm right there with you. I see, I know. But have you told your circumstance who I am? You see, so many of us, we talk to God when we don't know what to do about our circumstance. When I wonder if God is saying, why don't you tell your circumstance about who I am? You know who I actually spend a whole lot of time talking to? Me. I spend a whole lot of time talking to me so that I can talk to my circumstance. Big ways, small ways. Jeannie, you're tired today. You didn't get enough sleep. 
you certainly don't have enough caffeine, you are going to be tempted to be really impatient with the kids this morning. How about you put on patience before you go downstairs? Jeannie, you're frustrated about that situation at work. You're frustrated because the story you're making up is that they didn't get that thing done and you're going to be tempted to kind of take it all out on them. And so, Jeannie, when you walk in today, why don't you choose faithfulness? Why don't you choose goodness? Why don't you choose self-control with your words? Do you really need to say that? See, I want to ask you, have your circumstances conquered you or have you conquered your circumstances? Or or let me ask it this way. Are you living as a victim or are you living as a victor? Because that's really what this passage is all about. Are you living as a victim or are you living as a victor? Because victims believe they have been conquered, but victors believe they are a conqueror. Do you see the difference? Victims believe that they've been conquered by their circumstances, but victors believe that they conquer the circumstance. You see, when your circumstances have conquered you, what happens in your mind is you begin to think through the lens of scarcity. You live with the angst that there's never enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough support. I certainly don't have enough sleep. I don't have enough coffee. There's not enough control. I don't have enough appreciation. And you can go on and on and on. And you are regularly complaining about what you don't have enough of. That's when you're a victim to your circumstance. But when you are the conqueror, when you are the victor, you are living as more than a conqueror and you are living in abundance. In your mind, in your heart, I have all things through Christ who has given me strength. John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. That's how you walk into your circumstances. When you're living as a victim, worry clouds your life. You just kind of live in a haze of worry and worry feels ever present in your life and you regularly borrow future possibilities and you make them present realities in your mind. Oh gosh, what if this happens? Oh, what if that happens? It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. But you start to make it your present reality. Remember when we studied worry? It's just meditation in the wrong direction. And when you are living as a victim, you are living in a cloud of worry. But when you live as a victor, that you are more than a conqueror, there is a quality of peace about your life. Contentment in your mind. It doesn't mean that you ignore the circumstances or that you live in denial. It's that you hold the circumstance in the right space in your mind and your heart, that you cling to the knowing that no matter what, you will be okay. You live with Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, about anything, about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ 
Jesus. That's what it looks like to live as more than a conqueror. When you are living as a victim to your circumstances, it's easy to get distracted, isn't it? You kind of distract yourself with numbing. You kind of scroll through everybody else's life. You look on Facebook, you look on Instagram, and you see how it's working better for everybody else but you. You just kind of distract yourself, you numb yourself, you compare yourself about what others have, what you don't have. But when you are living as more than a conqueror, you become the victor of your circumstances. You don't numb out and distract yourself. You take responsibility and you get disciplined with your circumstances. See, there's a part for us to play, friends. And I wonder, are you waiting for what you want or are you working out with what you have? <clears throat> Victims are waiting for what they want, but victors are working it out with what they have. They're not sitting around waiting. I, I'm just, everything will get better once they fire my boss. Once they do that, everything will be better. Now the problem in my situation is I'm the boss, so. Everything will get better when that person finally apologizes and they see what they've done. Everything will get better once I finally have my person in my life. It'll all get better. But see, when you're living as a victor, you choose 2 Timothy 1, 7, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Friends, we have a part to play in it. We have a part to play. And there are so many more examples that I could compare and contrast that I could have us look at what it looks like when we are conquered by our circumstances versus when we conquer our circumstances, when we're living as a victim versus when we are living as a victor. But I had a moment this last week where it just kind of came into focus for me in a small way, but it was a picture of how I do this in my life. I joined this new gym. Um, it's called Orange Theory. Some of you may have heard about it. And Orange Theory, I think their theory is that if they make it feel like you're at a club working out and they kind of like dim the lights and it's dark and you don't have to look at anybody else, right? You're just thinking about yourself. And if they pump the music, you know, that you're going to just get so into the workout that it's going to be awesome, right? So I'm like, I'm for that, okay? I, I, I want to I I not think about my workout. Um, I want it to feel like I'm at a club. And so I joined Orange Theory, and I was there earlier this week, and you know how you have those workouts in your life where, you know, it's an hour-long workout, and it feels like 10 minutes. You're like, I feel great. I've just got it going on. Everything is working here. It was not one of those, okay? It was not one of those workouts. And I was on my treadmill and I was not feeling it. I was not, I was not feeling any part of the workout. I was not feeling the treadmill. I felt like the treadmill was mad at me. Um, I was not feeling the instructor. She was really perky. She was really happy. She was smiling. <laughs> I was like, your fly, your smile is not making me happy, right? And, and, and you know, her 
her playlist was terrible. It, it just, none of the beats were good. Like we, we couldn't get in it. And then the other problem was that I got on the treadmill next to a guy that I swear was trying to qualify for the Olympics, right? <laughs> so, I mean, she's like, okay, let's run, you know? And, and I look at him and, he, and I look over and, and I can't not do this, but I look at his numbers. He's like running at 9.0. And I'm like, I'm at 4.0. Like, and I am hurting, right? And she's like, let's climb the hill. Let's go to an incline of five. I'm like, I'm not going to an incline of five. There's no hill here and I'm not climbing it, right? And so I am like feeling this workout. I am running through everything in my mind and I'm like, I didn't have enough protein today. I don't have enough water. I need to start drinking water instead of coffee. Like I'm just going through everything that is wrong in my life and in the world on this treadmill. <laughs> and I'm straight up victim mode on this treadmill in this moment. And something happened and the music shifted. And, and this song came on and I, I don't know what happened in my mind, but something started to move. And I'm like, yes I am. <laughs> straight up firework and I can do this and I can run and run and run and I'm just going for it and I'm like come on everybody let's do it right I'm like high-fiving the guy next to me he's like oh chose the wrong treadmill right you know and I'm just in it and I shift like yes come on let's do this right and I'm feeling it and just like that. And afterwards, I go over to the water thing, kind of like this. And, and the Olympic guy is standing next to me, you know, and I don't even want to tell you what he's wearing, but I mean, he's, he's making sure I know he works out all the time. And I wanted to say to him, like, do you just want me to tell you that I know you work out all the time? Because I'll tell you, like, I can see you work out all the time. And I'm sure you can see I do not. And he's like, hey, you really turned that workout around. I was like, whoa, it's straight up going down in Orange Theory, right? And then he said to me, and I don't, I don't know this phrase yet, because um, I'm not a millennial, but he said to me, he goes, that was like beast mode. And I was like, beast mode? Is that a compliment? So I, I asked some younger people, they say that's a compliment. Um, you know, we can laugh about a moment that I had on a treadmill about a moment where I was all up in my head, believing I was a victim, believing there was no way I could keep running, believing that the guy was sent there by the devil to make me feel bad, right? That I was getting lost in, in my mind and my thoughts, that I was just a victim that this workout was, was here to destroy me. And sure, I turned it around for a few moments, thank you, Holy Spirit and Katy Perry, right? <laughs> but I know in this room, 
I know in this room that there are some of you that are on a run. You are on a treadmill and your circumstances, your circumstances feel like they are overwhelming you. And it feels like there is absolutely no way that you can claim the truth that you are more than a conqueror today. I know there are people that are desperate in this room to have a child. I know that that is, is your heart's desire. I know there are people in this room that are desperate to find their person. You are so tired of all of the wedding invitations that come in the mail and you're wondering, when do I get to send out mine? There are people in this room that are waiting on a diagnosis even either for yourself or for a loved one. There are people in this room that feel lost, that feel lonely. People that feel like they can't seem to land a job or keep a job. People who feel like the addiction that they are battling is actually winning. There are people that are wondering if the things that are going on in our country, if the ways that refugees and immigrants and the vulnerable, the ways that they have been forgotten and overlooked, if that's just gonna continue and the days ahead are dark and, and, and your honest feeling is you are filled with fear. There's no part of you that feels like you are more than a conqueror. There are people here who are in grief, who are mourning, who have lost a loved one, and you feel like grief is like an ocean that is going to fall on top of you and swallow you up. And as I was writing this message this past week and, and struggling with it and honestly wrestling with God and saying before God, God, I don't wanna walk into a room and just give the same old answer. Hey church, guess what? You're more than a conqueror. It's just gonna be okay. Because here's what I know. I know the grief is real. I know that mourning is real. I know that loss is real. I know that opposition is real. I know that loneliness is real. I know that addiction is real. What I most want to say to you today is being more than a conqueror does not mean you get a free pass out of those things, but being more than a conqueror means that Jesus is with you as you are going through those things. That's what being more than a conqueror means. You see, you may be going through something, but the good news today is that you are going through. Amen? The good news is that you are going through. I can't tell you how much that little word through blessed me this week. You're going through. And this is our hope today. More than anything, I long for us to wake up to the love of Jesus and realize that we are always going through. You are not alone. You are not forgotten. You are not standing still. You are not where you once were. Some of you just need to testify to that today. You are not where you once were. Amen? 
That means that Jesus carries us through. That means that you are more than a conqueror. That means that you are going through. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Isaiah 43, 2. This is the hope that we have, church. No water will sweep over you. No fire will set you ablaze because you are more than a conqueror. That is who Jesus says you are. Do you know that God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get where God wants you to go? That, that is the heart of God for every single one of us. And I want you to hear, I need this in my own life. I need this in my own life. I need this reminder in my own life. I need this truth in my marriage. I love my husband. We do not have a perfect marriage. Some of you just really freaked out because we're the pastors. <laughs> we're far from a perfect marriage. And I need to be reminded that Jesus is carrying us through. I need this as a mother. Oh, the levels of impatience that I can get myself wrapped up into. The words that come out of my mouth to these darling children that are filled with a lot of sin, but they are still <laughs> darling. I need to be reminded I, I'm more than a conqueror. I don't have to choose those words. I don't have to choose this posture. I need this as a friend. I have dear friends that are walking through the circumstance that they never thought they would be in. I need this as a friend. I need this as your pastor. There are moments that I don't want to show up to work here and go, I can be more than a conqueror. Because I'm defeated or I'm discouraged or, or I'm feeling alone. Friends, I need this just as much as you need this. I am not standing on this stage saying that I have got this figured out. I'm sitting right there with you, journeying, saying I need to know that I am going through and that Jesus is carrying me through. And that is why I can be confident to say, I am more than a conqueror. So when I invite you to stand, we're gonna pray. And if there's an area in your life right now where you are going through, where you are going through, I just wanna ask you, would you in confidence, just put your hand up, And as a way, just put your hand up as a way of saying, Jesus, I am reaching for you. <laughs> I am reaching for you. And in confidence, I am saying, Lord Jesus, would you carry me through? Because friends, we are convinced that nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing. Not death, not life, not anything happening in your present and on anything that will happen in your future that can separate us from the love of God.
And some of you today, your hand is reaching up in a way of saying, Jesus, I've never reached my hand up to you before. And for the first time, I am declaring, I want a relationship with you. I want to be found in you. I want to walk with you. And I want you to carry me through. I want you to be my recycler and my defender and my advocate so that I can be more than a conqueror in this world. And so Jesus, with our hands raised, we declare that our hope is in you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen.